everybody, welcome to episode 68 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy DeResta. Hey guys. And David Picciuto. Hey man, what's going on? Not much. What's up with you guys? I'm upstate working my butt off with, nice. with David Welder. I was going to say Dr. David Welder. I'm up here with uh, Dr. <laughs> like David Welder, and uh, we've been jamming all day. Dave's putting together, we're doing Snapchat all day, so some people are watching. And uh, we just discovered, you guys know how to make the stretchy face parts of the of the Snapchat? Dave, I think you were playing with it, right? Mm, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it makes your face all stretchy. It's super fun. So we, we tried to get Spike to do it today. It wasn't working on a cat's face. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we're up here driving around. We keep making visits to the lumber yard. I'm like trying to... I'm trying my best not to overshoot my materials on this thing. And since the lumber yard is just about six miles down the road, I'm like, I'm on my third truckload of materials, which if I bought them in one big full sweat sweep, that wouldn't have fit in the truck anyway. So like I said, I'm going down by a little bit at a time. We're having fun. So I, I built the foundation of this beehive house on Saturday just to get my mind around it. Cause I was like a little nervous about the build. And so once I got the floor plan done and the two by fours of the floor plan, um, Dave, Came up here with me last night, and uh, we started work this morning at about eight a.m. gathering materials, and uh, we've been we've been rocking and rolling. We're making a good video. Dave's got his his copter up here, his his uh, helicopter, so we're having fun with that. Oh, awesome! Yeah, he keeps wanting me to play with the controls. I'm too afraid of it, and I'm just going to fly it directly into the power line. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> not playing with it. <laughs> yeah, um, th- I saw just on that note, I saw Flight Test uh, did a review of the Phantom Four, the brand new one. Yeah which is like the, the super nice one. Yeah. And it's got all these like crazy features in it. But one of them is, I, I don't know if it would work for like uh, telephone wires, but it has uh, sensors on the front of it on both on each side of the front panel. So if you fly it at a wall, like full force, about 10 feet from the wall, it'll stop itself. Oh, wow. And so it's made to like avoid collision. It's pretty awesome. There's a bunch of other really cool features. Yeah, have you guys too, been but. watching Casey? Casey's been doing amazing aerial shots with his DJI looks 4. so good. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's he's actually like driving in cars and skateboarding and riding on boats and stuff, and the DJI is following him. The most yeah. amazing shots! It's just incredible. It's like taking his cinematography to a whole new level, and he's getting better at it. Of course, like if you've been watching Casey, the joke is he is always crashing them into stuff, and uh, now he keeps recovering his his four every time he crashes it. So far, he's got it back every time, and it still works. <laughs> went in the water and it went and it works. It's, it's been fun to watch. Yeah, they seem to be, especially this newest version, seems to be like really, well, I don't say really hard to break, but a much harder to break than mm. they used to be. Because I've seen him and a lot of other people crash them because of those like turn off the controller or something crazy like yeah. that. You know? Well, Dave's, Dave crashed his into a tree, so it broke the gantry, the camera off, and he was able to put the camera back on. But now he's getting these kind of alpha lines through his image. So this morning we just squeeze clamped on a GoPro. It takes a three pound payload. So he was just hovering over the scene. He's been doing it a couple of uh, every couple hours of where we're working. He just hovers over the. He just sets it to hover and he goes to work and the thing. And he doesn't even look at the controls. It's just hovering about thirty, forty feet in the air above us. Huh. <laughs> it's incredible. It's such an incredible. I mean, he just. I just keep saying to myself, "Wow, imagine the technology. What it's going to be like in a few years if this is where it's at now." And yeah, you know, that's the, like they just keep adding things that you just don't think. Yeah, if you can make them like a thought. Yeah. If you can make them quieter because they're really noisy, and yeah. if you can make it so you you have a the control device in your pocket and it just follows you around, like I I see a lot of these things happening. I don't know how you make them quieter, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. The cool yeah. thing, like if you watch Casey, because now he's really super super uh, getting super 
experience with it. He flies through the air and just stops dead and then moves again. It, it almost seems like it's on a crane, which is just incredible. And, you know, he's on a crane, but he's 700 feet above the earth. So it's not possible to be on a crane. It's just incredible, though, the way that the camera moves. Yeah, I got the impression that that newest one, the four, is made like they, they kind of went away from making it to fly. I mean, it, it flies, obviously, but the focus of the four is cinematography. Yeah. So they did a bunch of little stuff to it to make it even better and better and better on, you know, getting the shots that you want. Like one of the features I saw is um, if, if you're, you know, looking through the viewport on an iPad or on any screen on the controller, um, you can just tap like a person and it draws a box around the person and then the camera will just follow that person. You don't even have to, you can let go of the controls and that person can run through a field and it will follow them around. That's awesome and scary at the same time. <laughs> it's a little bit scary, but also pretty amazing, you know, to think about. You could just like be flying along and just pick a, an object and it'll just chase that object. So, yeah. yeah but, the funny thing now, I mean, we got off the topic of what I'm building, but uh, when I watch a movie or a TV show or anything, all of a sudden there's a drone flight. The first thing I used to think of, because I'm a little like cinematography conscious, I was like, oh, they hired a helicopter. That's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, nowadays it's like every little production, obviously YouTube videos at the very least, every production has got a drone flight in it. And you think, oh, they got a cool drone. And it's like in the past mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, wow, I wonder how much a helicopter costs for the day. Like that would be what my mind would wander to. But now it's like, oh, someone spent $1,000 on a helicopter, you know, yeah. on, a, on a drone. David, what about you? What are you up to? So uh, I've been working on this Ulu knife, which you guys can see in the, yeah, in the camera. Yeah, that's cool. Sweet. Um, my first knife project, which Jimmy always worries about the uh, the knife nerds attacking him. <laughs> I'm definitely going to get attacked for the materials <laughs> that I'm using because it's just um, regular sheet metal from Home Depot. Right. But uh, the thing with the Ulu knives is they're really thin, and they're not really made out of like a hardened steel. And like even the store bought one I have here, I can I can flex the blade. Hmm. Is um, it meant for? Is it just meant for chopping safely? Is that why? Because of the shape of the handle? It's um so it the, the blade is curved, and then there's a mating cutting board that's also oh curved. very cool. And you did that and too. I well, this is the, um this is the knife I made. This is the store bought one that we've okay. had for a couple of years, and I'm going to make this on the lathe here. Uh, oh, very as soon cool. As we're done, as soon as we're done talking, so the blade. Um, is the same curvature as the cutting board, and it makes for a very efficient, fast cutting of potatoes, vegetables, and things like that. Oh, that's awesome! Hmm. And then um, I started a knife build this this week too. By the way, so nice. I'll get some knife nerds on my my back. So the two of us will take the hit. <laughs> Have fun, guys! <laughs> but it, it was real fun. Um, I got you know when you get the uh, when you polish the metal good enough where you can see your reflection. That's really really satisfying. Yeah, and sure. then um, this is a collab project, so I'm sending it off to this chef in Austria, and he's going to finish up the video. Wow, sweet! Yeah, I had, what's I, your? Um, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say I used the uh, the laser to engrave his his logo on the handle here. Oh, nice! What's your polishing process like to get that polish on it? Uh, sanding. So just random orbit sander up to. 400 and then uh you know those uh, um kind of like scotch bright abrasive pads mm-hmm. i just cut them into a circle put it on the on the or- random orbit sander and um went up through to the highest grit that you can get in the in those abrasive pads 
and hmm. um and then with um and then i have that that work sharp uh blade sharpener and one of the one of the wheels on there is a leather one so and i just run this over the leather oh, yeah. and it's it's like a mirror nice yep awesome Cool. Um, well, I've been making a pedal board. Did I talk about that last week? Ooh, what? What's a pedal board? But it, it's not for me. It's Ooh. for Rob Scallon. Oh, nice. Oh, I'm thinking it's a bicycle with the pedals on it. I forgot you guys no. play guitar. It's like a skateboard with pedals. <laughs> I thought it was a pedal board. Like you stand on it and you stand on like two things that go like this, you know, like like I'm pedaling my arms in the air. <laughs> I'll, I'll write that down for future use. But... Um, <laughs> No, it's a, it's a, he's getting, so Rob Scallon is the guy that made the shovel guitar for a while back and, um, he's getting ready to go out on tour and, uh, with some other YouTube people who do music. And so he asked me a couple weeks ago if I could make him a small pedal board to take out. He only uses like four guitar pedals, so it's pretty small. It's made to fit what he has and you know how he uses it. So it was interesting because it's not the type of board I would have made for myself. It's very different in kind of form and function. So that was fun to do something, you know, for somebody else. And so that's cool. Did any of the brainstorming session that we did about a year ago come into play? Um, that's a no. Well, okay. not really, okay. but okay. not no, specifically, <laughs> but somebody, that's somebody good. did send, um, a recommendation for how to attach the pedals to the board from that conversation. Mm-hmm. And it was one I had never heard of. This is interesting. So a lot of times people will zip tie the pedals to the pedal board or they'll put Velcro on the back and on the board and they'll stick them together that way, which is, that's what I've always done. And so this recommendation was to take um, the a bicycle chain, pop out the links, and so each link is like a figure eight with two holes in it, right? So you unscrew the, the screw from the back of a pedal and put one of those, you screw it back on mm-hmm. through one of those holes then you have the other side of the figure eight sticking off the side of the pedal. And you do that, you know, on all four corners or two corners or whatever. And then you set that on the pedal board and drive a screw down through that kind of reaching out hole yeah. to mount it to the board. So it's, it's really, you know, it's like flush mounted. It's yeah. super secure. It's a really cool idea. The only downside is that it leaves a hole. If you want to move your pedal, it leaves a hole, you know, in the board. But so I didn't do that because this wasn't my board. So he may do that. But I, that was a really cool method for mounting a pedal that I'd never seen before. Hmm. So, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's like, uh, really? that's exactly the way that you, sometimes you mount the tabletop, uh, like a tabletop mm. that breathes. It has those figure eights. They kind of move a little bit so the table can breathe. If it's like hardwood. Right. So, yeah, I've been uh, making that. And then I made a, a desk, like kind of a floating desk that is for next week. What's a floating um, desk? It's uh, just like a floating shelf, really, but it fits within a little three-wall indention in a room. Hmm. So there's and this uh, friend of mine is doing a – she's interior designer, so she's rebuilding the interiors of this little house downtown. And there's a uh, kind of little inset section next to a fireplace. So it's three walls, you know, pushed into out of the room, like into a corner. And so I just built a frame that fits within those three walls and then a tabletop that goes over it. So there's no legs to the desk. It goes from wall to wall to wall, but it ended up being really nice. So it's really simple, mm-hmm. but yeah. That's cool. I thought it was designs. like an Arduino anti-gravity thing. <laughs> well, I got one of those too, but no, it's <laughs> a hoverboard. Um, yeah. And then I, I did a uh, last week on my live stream, I did a the really simple box joint jig. Mm-hmm. I watched, like, you know, just, 
Yeah, and I uh, ended up cutting that down and making a YouTube video out of it. It was the first one of my Twitch streams that was like I could figure out how to cut down into a single, you know, kind of like cohesive thing. That process from going from Twitch to YouTube has actually been a lot more difficult than I expected it to be as far as the content. But Are you um, missing pieces and stuff doesn't connect well? Well, it's more about like I'm in the moment I'm thinking about talking to the people who are watching live and <clears throat> not, I'm, I'm explaining what I'm doing, but the carryover of audio and video, they don't line up in like edit points so right. much. You know, it's a lot of like, I'm doing this, but I'm talking about what I just did or what I'm about to do. And so then when you go back to edit out the unnecessary parts of that, you have this weird overlap of audio and video in different sections. And I think that's just an experience thing of just figuring out, you know, kind of giving myself break points to say, okay, Yep. Pause here, you know, talking and moving <laughs> and then start a new action. So, but it's an interesting problem to figure out. It's we we've talked about this many times where you don't know necessarily know how to do something until you've done it a couple times, right? Mm -hmm. You get better at it as you go. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I've been doing all of that stuff. Um, I have a couple things to talk about this week. Uh, that have got some cool emails. So I got a couple follow-up things, and then if we want to get to a topic, we can. Um, so last week we talked about the kind of everyday carry stuff, you know, and I mentioned the belt, like just having a piece of leather around and what you could do with it. We got a couple of emails from people. This one I thought was really awesome. Um, <clears throat> this was from Tim McSweeney. He said, I was a passenger in a car that was rear-ended by someone else. No one was injured, and neither car was badly damaged, but the front fender of the car was hanging loose, running on the wheel. We tried calling for a tow, but it was going to take several hours. I took off my belt, looped it around the fender, up onto the frame, and cinched it to pull the fender back into alignment. It wasn't pretty, but it was enough to get us so we uh, get us home so we could deal with the damage at leisure rather than waiting on the side of the road. So that's exactly the type of stuff I was thinking right. about when you know we were talking about that. Worst case scenario, belt. Yeah, I mean, and it's such an easy, you know, that was let them get home and deal with the problem later rather than sit there on the side of the road. Yeah. But we got a couple more emails like that. Uh, I thought that was really cool. So I have a belt tip, Thanks. by the way, I thought of after we got off the air. I, oh, yeah. I wear belts. I got into the, I'm such a creature habit. I got uh, about four years ago, I got to the point where I only buy belts that have holes completely around them. Do you ever see those belts where it's the two? Yeah, mm -hmm. the two. And there's like a series of holes that go completely around the belt. And that's mm -hmm. so I can use little clips and clip keys and all the things I need around my power belt. Oh, that's wow. brilliant. Thank you. Because huh. I was always punching holes. I would do is like I was kind of hard fast. I need a black, I need a black thick leather belt. And then I would punch like three holes in it. And then one day at the store, I'm like, oh, that thing has a thousand holes in it. And they, I don't have to punch holes in it. So oh. <laughs> I use those belts. So my keys, like I'll have like three or four sets of keys and, you know, my uh, super rope and my. Power spray, mace. I was just thinking the other day, like when we go out to Maker Faire in a few weeks, that I have these little lenses for my iPhone, but I wanted to make like a little holster for them that goes right on my belt. And I'm thinking, oh, now I got to figure out how to wrap around the belt or go through it. And that kind of solves my issue right there. Hmm. 
Now, here's a here's a product idea for you to figure out, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And we can cut this out if you don't want anybody else to steal it. Go for it. Um, <laughs> you need to, to come up with like a standard mechanism to clip over the belt and through those holes so you mm-hmm. have it, it can lock in place mm-hmm. and then have a hanger off of that. I'm not even joking when I tell you that me and my friend Steve have been working on a patent for that for a really long time. And really? Yeah. <laughs> it's the, it, it was based off an invention that I came up with. And then Steve kind of redes. Steve is a patent. He writes patents up. And Steve is also a mechanical engineer. And when he saw my, my patents uh, approach, he basically kind of reinvented it and came up with that idea. So Steve is the one driving that concept, not me. And so Steve, every once in a while, comes to the shop and we kick around ideas about it's an apron that has like a convertible ability that starts from a belt. And so it turns into an apron and things connect and disconnect from it. And uh, huh. like I said, Steve is really running the show there. He actually had some 3D printed clips from the office he works in. He works with a 3D printer uh, person that can visualize and do AutoCAD. And so he's made up a couple of little clips. But it's it's one of those things that's always like on the back burner because he and I are both so busy. So we never really taken the time to bring it to the forefront. But we did get a... Uh, we did get a provisional patent on it, which is expired now because neither one of us are ready to pull the trigger. So that's basically a provisional means you could sit on it for one year and then one year comes, you decide. But uh, neither one of us had the time or attention to, to spend on it, but it's definitely there. Yeah. And whenever I talk to him, he comes up. So similar. Yeah. To the, that's pretty awesome to the provisional patent thing in case people aren't aware. Um, it's a cheaper way short term to get a patent to get the protection of a patent without the long term investment. So um, if you have an idea, but you don't have the several thousand dollars or whatever it costs to get the full patent and don't want to wait through that process, you can get the provisional for do you know how much it is? A couple hundred dollars? It's, I have a uh, uh, Steve works for the lawyer that that is my friend also he, like we're all good friends. And so you know, we always get a good deal on it. Um, he usually charges me whatever the government fees are. I give him money all the time. So it's all wrapped up in there. But it's only a few hundred bucks. Provisional patent is like paying someone to stand in a parking spot for one year. <laughs> and then That's one year comes up. It. And if you don't park in that parking spot, he's like, I'm leaving. That's it. I, you want to pay me for the rest of the 17 years? I'll stay. But yeah. that's basically it. And if, you know, so that parking spot will remain empty if no one takes it. But you're taking the chance that somebody will take it. And, you know, that's a metaphor for the actual invention. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, somebody asked me about something like that in a Q&A video that I'm working on. And I talked through that a little bit, but I thought it might be interesting to expand that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people don't know that that's an option. Right. They think they either have to, like, let it go or, you know, file for the full-on patent. But a lot of people, they'll get the provisional, and then in that year, they figure out if they can license the idea to somebody else to somebody else to manufacture. I'll tell you what happens with me. I, I've done this probably eight or nine times in the last few years, in the last eight or nine years. I get a provisional on something and one year comes up. I, I get a provisional. I go, okay, done. I got that taken care of. One year comes up and then my lawyer calls me and goes, do you want to make a patent on this or not? And I go, ah, forget it. It happens all the time because that means now it's like, okay, now spend $10,000, develop a marketing plan, get a real prototype. You should have done that for the previous year, but you forgot. Yeah. So forget it. Patenting is, um, very, is a very slippery slope. You know, you have to have like really good connections and good marketing and, and also good engineering and a lot of luck. Yeah. And a good lawyer because you have to have – it's really hard to get a patent yourself because you need – it needs 
almost be written by a lawyer because they speak the right language. Because if you write your patent wrong, it could totally screw you in the future. Mm-hmm. When I worked for Dell, we would do, um, you know, they would they were filing for patents all the time, software patents and all the hardware and all this stuff. And so every time we would finish a project, we would go back and our manager would say, like, was there anything patentable in what you just did? And so we would have to, like, kind of rethink, like, the concept. You can't patent a piece of code, but you can, you know, like a product or a concept or something. So we would have to go back and think at a conceptual level, like, is there anything that might be unique that we did? And if so, we would write it up in the language that we could explain it in. And then we would send it off to this team of lawyers. And all they did was translate what we said it actually did into words that would make it, you know, available. They would translate it into a bill that would submit to Dell. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. (laughs) But I actually, uh, you just reminded me, I I actually pulled the trigger on the witchblade knife, the handle, the multi-tool as handle to Bowie knife. Uh, It's kind of like the, the abstract. So I had a provisional for that, which came up a few months back in the winter time. It came up and, and Richard, my lawyer, says, what do you want to do? Let's pull a trigger or not. And so I said, let's do it. Hmm. I swallowed real hard. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Because if I let that go and, you know, Leatherman or Gerber or someone parks in that parking spot, I'll be very upset. So Yeah, for real. And actually, I got contacted by somebody at Gerber. Never really went anywhere. I mean, he's, a, he's actually a marketing person for Gerber Tools. I don't know. If you're listening, call me back and give me a specific reason why you want to talk. He just said, hey, you want to hang out? And I really wasn't like up on details, but uh, I was so busy and I, apparently so was he, so we didn't connect. Maybe he was just lonely. Maybe. Maybe. You want to hang out? <laughs> you want to hang out? I'll show you my knife collection. They're all Gerbers. <laughs> um, well, one thing real quick before we yeah. move along. Um, Go for it. We got an, a lot of awesome everyday carry photos, by the way. Yeah. Like, yes. So thank you to everybody that, that tweeted us those photos because some of some of it was really cool. Yeah. He keeps sending them because I think yeah. tons of people have that type of stuff that they like to lay out. And, There's a famous uh, Tumblr, uh, Everyday Carry, EDC uh, Tumblr. And that's why I first started noticing that initial EDC, Everyday Carry. And it's great. I'm on there from about five years ago, four years ago. I made I my made, pockets I aren't, on my EDC. My pockets aren't interesting enough, I yeah. think, for that. Yeah, mine aren't either. It's just, you know. I mean, I could, like, make up some funny stuff that looks like they were in my pockets all the time. There's always an Adreno in there. and <laughs> Yeah. A like 16 pocket. feet of LEDs. I just <laughs> keep them in my back pocket. A lot of people in the world got an email today that I wanted to talk about and get your opinions. Did you guys read the email from Glowforge? I did. I'm not so on the list. You? Oh, that's right. You haven't actually bought one. That's right. Um... So they were, the Glowforge is the crowdfunded laser, for anybody that's not aware, the crowd, crowdfunded like um, laser engraver, cutter thing. It looks to be really awesome. David and I both bought into it at the beginning, and they were supposed to ship, apparently, in June. Um, and I didn't even know that was the date. But anyway, so they sent an email today, and... Basically, the long and the short of it is they're delaying from shipping in June to shipping in December. What? And they feel really bad about it, and they're going to give everybody $150 worth of materials of this like certain laser-specific material stuff that they sell, and then some gift certificates and like 10% off the future stuff. Um, and they went through some of the reasons why this is happening Um 
And I saw a lot of blowback from it today on Twitter. Uh oh. I didn't and, know any of this. And I mean, you know, it's one of those things that like the loudest people in the room are the loudest people in the room. So just because people are talking about it on Twitter doesn't mean that like everybody in the world's upset about it. Right. You know? But um I don't know. I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts on that. Well, it's an extremely complicated product that they're trying to kind of make consumerism, like a consumerist version of it. I don't know if that's the right word, but they're trying to make yeah. a prosumer version of something that's always very high tech. That's basically what Glowforge has become, right? It's just like the consumer version of like a $10,000 unit. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're trying to make, like the impression I get is that they're trying to make the simplicity of an Apple versus a Unix system. Right. In the laser world, you know, they're taking something that is extremely technical and complex and hard to use for the layperson, packaging it and giving it a user interface that just about anybody can understand and be productive with. Yeah. Well, that's the, it, it, you, my, my thing is my, my little resin cast figure that me and Carlos did together is, is meaningless in comparison to making a Glowforge, but there's so many ups and downs and ins and outs and things that have to happen and you leave in the hands of other people to participate and finish and deadlines. Like I said, we just made a little resin cast figure that somebody painted or that, you know, there was several steps of painting. You had to decide the box, the packaging. With it, like, you know, there was little things like the packaging. When you open up my resin figure, it's in like a compressed beaded foam thing. They buy those in blocks and literally carve out that section that I'm stuck in. Carlos said I wanted it wrapped in velvet, but then of course the cost of that, you know, not only for the piece, but also the, the labor involved in wrapping that with a piece of velvet. So we, we ended up leaving that out for cost process and the factory never did velvet like that before. So they had to find a supplier. So that's nothing. These are just non-mechanical things that don't have to perform any tasks. They just don't have to be broken. You're sending a high tech piece of equipment. You want to make sure that that thing works every time because, yeah. you know, you, you'd rather take the, the hit up front and say, we're going to be late, then ship out a product that's going to be problematic. And then you're dealing with a recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no sales after that. Yeah. Right. And you know, everyone wants their money back. You know, you might even, they run the risk. I guess, I guess, I don't know if the, it's refundable or not. You guys paid. I didn't, you know, so I don't it know. It is if refundable. Like a, yeah. They, they made it real clear in the email. If you want your money back, we'll, we'll gladly do so. But I yeah. think we uh, talked so about they, it a couple they, weeks ago. Like anytime, I mean, they didn't build a factory to make them. They uh, so they have to, to have somebody outsource. else make them for them. Yeah, and anytime something is in somebody else's hands, things can go wrong. Things. Can That's what I'm wrong. saying. I mean, you know, not only is it at the will of uh, you know individual human beings, it's just you're at the will of materials and and mechanical uh, processes of things coming together, shipping. Yeah. You know, uh, UPS. And it sounds like one of the big, um, they are going to be assembled in the U.S., which he put into this email, which I thought was pretty cool because I don't think that was the original plan. So that's a, I think like a, an interesting upgrade to the process, you mm. know, to, to be a part of the company. But one of the things that they mentioned was as a reason for the delay was the power supply. Like they initially had a power supply lined up to run the machine, turned out it didn't perform like they wanted it to and they had trouble with it, which in my mind, that's a pretty core thing to, you know, if it's not right, of course, you're not going to ship a machine. You're not going to send it out with something that's either underpowered or has potential to be, you know, electrically dangerous or, you know, whatever. They, I don't know what the specifics were. Um, but so, I mean, I don't know. It, it, personally, for me, I'm like, sure, delay it longer. That's fine. I can survive just fine in this world without a laser, you know. Um, 
and I will get it eventually. So I'm not, I would rather get a good product than a quick product. Uh, because if I get it and it doesn't do what I think it should do and it's going to end up sitting there on the shelf and I'm not going to use it because I'm going to be disappointed with its, you know, and that's happened to me with a 3d printer, super excited about it, paid for it ahead of time, got it in, didn't do what I want. And now I don't touch it Mm -hmm. and it's in the way, you know, and I, I can imagine that being the largest crowdfunded product in the world, <laughs> they don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. well, is that so. is that true? They hold the record for being the largest crowdfund? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Like hardware product. Right. Probably not like product in general, right. but like a... Yeah. You know, you can sign up for their beta program to try to get an early machine, but mm-hmm. I, I, the machine that's going to be shipped to me, I want that to be fully operational. I don't want to fidget with it. I don't want to troubleshoot. So I'm okay to wait, but saying that i already have a laser so i'm okay now but i'm looking forward <laughs> to the features of this new one but i'm you know if uh you can you can use this time to figure out what projects you're going to do with it you can design projects in the meantime you can learn some new, new software even though this comes with its own software you can do higher end things if you learn other pieces of software you know so use the time to come up with projects because so many times in my life have I been so excited to get a new computer, a new guitar, a new machine? And then when I get it, I don't even use it for two weeks because I'm like, what do I do with it? Mm. Yep. Yeah. Um, Tom Morrison was asking me what I thought about this on uh, on Facebook today. And that's why I wanted to bring it up to you guys. But he kind of said at the end of it was, you know, like, I am i don't know whether I'm going to keep it or if I'm going to cancel it and buy an epilogue or a full spectrum. And... <laughs> I mean, that's entirely up to every single person. You know, you decide what you want to do with your money, of course. In my mind, the reason I was interested in a Glowforge was because it wasn't an epilogue or a full spectrum. Not because I have anything against those, but because I've heard enough stories about to use this particular machine, you have to use this software and it's awful. Or you have to use this type of computer and it has these limitations and it has this and it has, you know, whatever the specifics were for both of those brands even though they're both good machines and are productive in my mind, if I'm going to pay for a laser, I want it to be what I want it to be. And the Glowforge just happened to be that thing for me. So it's like, I'm not in enough of a hurry to kind of kick aside what I wanted for the sake of time to get another laser. You know what I mean? I'm Mm -hmm. not sure how to say that in in the right way. You're willing to wait. Yeah. I'm willing to wait because I wanted the experience of what they're making the Glowforge look like. Yeah. Maybe it won't end up being that. I don't know. But um, that's what drove me into it, not the fact that it's a laser. There's already lasers out there. So, yeah. But, you know, I, I think that's going to be, you know, that's a, a thing about crowdfunding in general. And anybody who's ever backed a Kickstarter has probably dealt with that to some degree. You know, it's, there's always some kind of delay. There's always some compromise that has to be made after the fact because people who have not ever done a hardware project have not ever created a, whatever it is they're creating for Kickstarter or crowdfunding, they don't have the experience to know all the ins and outs of things ahead of time to fully vet like the process before they even put it on to Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. They don't also usually don't have the funds to do that research and to figure all those things out. And that's where they go to Kickstarter, you know? So I don't know. To me, that's just part of the process. I don't, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a risky take, especially complicated product like that. I, I'm I've never used a laser personally. I've I've worked with my friend's laser a little bit, um, 
But just knowing how complicated it is and speaking to a few of my friends that have experience with lasers, they were all like looking at that project. You know, there's like naysayers and, you know, trolls. But and and these couple of friends of mine were like, nah, there's no way that that's going to deliver the way that that presentation <laughs> let everybody see. Hmm. This is what these guys said. And, you know, like I said, they, they're in the investment like tech world. They're guys that, you know, uh, are in the world that we do, but they're more on the finance side of like the higher end stuff. And uh, they both said he put out a, an amazing killer presentation and he's going to have a very difficult time living up to it. And hmm. uh, so it seems like that's probably the case, but you know what? Everything is fixable and solvable. I think it's just a matter yeah. of getting it right. I think the features that they're introducing are worth the wait because mm -hmm. they're going to push the entire laser industry forward with having the cameras in there and all the all the things that the cameras inside the machine can do. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. So, yeah, I mean it's a bummer. You know, it's a it's annoying that if you put your money into something several thousand dollars and you put your money in a place and then it's still sitting in that place and you get nothing. Yeah. I understand that frustration. Trust me, it's my money. But um, do you get interest? <laughs> no, but that would be a cool. Maybe we should suggest that we get interest for however long they're delaying. Well, um, we can. But I was going to say they're going to be out at Maker Fair. Maybe we can uh, mm -hmm. talk to them and get a little bit of insider information that we can broadcast in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. They did say um, in that same email that they're going to be set up at Maker Fair in Bay Area. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there, you can go see one and, you know, actually see the experience up close and see if it, you know, lives up to what they showed in the videos. So and you can I think it will. Yeah. But. And you can see us and see if we live up to the experience. <laughs> we will not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting upgraded. I won't be ready till December. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's delayed. Yep. So if you want your money Speaking back. Speaking of, we're going to be at Maker Faire. That's in May... 20, May 18th to 21st, yeah. somewhere in there. We always forget to look it up. Yeah. Well, but we'll I'm be gonna there. Be, I'm going to be in Colorado on the 14th. I'm going to drive to San Francisco, hopefully within enough time. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Everything is like coming. To, I get so many. I'm doing, a, I'm doing the Gulf Coast Green Conference. I, I've talked about it a couple of times. That's going to be next week, a week from tomorrow. Ooh, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to do a lecture mm. there. That's going to be fun and judge a contest. And, oh. uh, yeah, it's just that one week is like blending into the next. And then, in, you know, second or third week of, of May, the second week of May, Taylor and I are driving to Chicago and then on to, uh, well, we're driving to Col uh, Colorado and then on to San Francisco. Doing your yearly cross-country crazy tour? This, this will be my <laughs> second annual, yeah. The other times I've flown, but this time, this time we're going to go to Colorado first for a, a wedding of a friend. That's crazy. Well, while we're talking about this, let's. I'd like to plug something that's going on the day after Maker Fair, and that mm -hmm. is Bob, your friend Rob Scallon. His band is going to be on tour, and it happens to be in San Francisco on the following Monday. And you and I are both staying there, and we're going to be there on Monday. And uh, so, if you're planning on traveling, that might be something you want to check out and stay an extra day. Yeah, the show, they're actually playing in San Francisco Monday and Tuesday, but, you know, once is plenty for me. But, um, so it's Rob Scallon playing, and then uh, Wheezy Waiter, uh, if anybody knows him from YouTube, is a really funny guy, but he's in a band called Driftless, Driftless Pony Club. They're playing. Hank Green and his band are playing. Hank Green is one of the Vlog Brothers. He's the guy that started VidCon. Y you should probably know who he is if you're on YouTube. Um 
And then another guy named Andrew, I can't remember his last name, but I've seen several of his videos too. They're all YouTube musicians. They're all really funny and really talented and they're, you know, going out on a tour together. So yeah, totally. If you're going to be around, stay an extra night or something and, and go see them. And all the information is, uh, I'll have to put a link to it. I think it's like, I think it's called tour tour because awesome or something like that. <laughs> I don't know, but I'll, I'll, um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Nice. Yeah. I booked myself there until Tuesday just so I could hang out after the fair and, and take photos of San Francisco. And then I saw in Rob's, uh, one of his later latest videos, he posted that. I'm like, Oh, what perfect timing. So yeah. Be fun. Definitely. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm, I, I think I told you guys I'm hanging out till the till the end of the uh, the fair too because I might be picking a machine up from one of the vendors. Did I tell you that? Yeah. yeah. yeah so I'm going to be waiting around. I might be getting a plasma cutter CNC. So every every nice. time you go out west, you have to you have something to pick up to take back. <laughs> well, it's because it's like, oh, you have your car? Can you carry something for me? <laughs> so that kind of thing. Well, would you like to yeah. carry something heavy back to the, your hometown? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like picking up heavy things. <laughs> yeah, I like paying for lots of gas. Sure. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Um. So we got we got some more time. So I had one more thing I want to talk about this week, and I don't know that we have a lot to say about this, but um, and I mentioned it to you guys beforehand. So I put up a video this week, um, and one of the comments was congratulating me on the number of subscribers I had which is not at all the conversation I want to have. But it was nice of that person. And underneath it, somebody said, um, no offense or anything, but uh, Duresta should have more subscribers than you. <laughs> is that the tone that he said it in? Well, I assume. That's yeah, we all make up it, our so. own voices for the trolls. Yeah. He's like, hey, dude. So, um, no, but it was like, it was like, no offense. I just like him better than you or something to that effect. Right. And, uh, and so I... I, that only cost me 10 bucks, by the way, to get that placed on your page. Oh, really? Yeah, that cool. was well, a pretty good deal. It's <laughs> a pretty good deal. <laughs> no, but anyway, so my response and several other people's response was like, uh, yeah, he should have more than I do. But it's not even about subscribers. That that meaning is uh, that number is totally meaningless in the world of YouTube. It's about views. It's about like, you know, interaction with people and all that type of stuff. Um. And a lot of people spoke up and said, well, like they do very different things on YouTube. And I said, there's no competition. Like, why would there be competition? Um, you know, you only picked three videos that you're going to watch on YouTube every day. And whoever doesn't make the cut doesn't get watched. I mean, there's 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 nothing like that. So, no, yeah, no, it, like that's the one thing I love about YouTube compared to like my experience with television. And I've talked about this before. It's that we all like to see each other do well. You know, I know in the TV world, it's like, oh, man, that guy's getting better ratings than me. Those guys all stink. You know, I'm leaving out the curse words because this is a family-friendly show. But I know my personal experience with with television and the competition there. And actually, I worked in a studio that another TV show worked in. And, like, we shared tools. And the whole crew and me and my brother were very competitive. And, you know, we were all on the same team. We were on the same network and everything. But, uh, you know, there was this competition. It's just like this kind of jealousy and, and hate. But I really don't feel that in the community that we're all in, this YouTube community. Like, we just went to Atlanta. You guys didn't make it. But, you know, what it was like in WIA. And there's going to be more. It's just like, it's it's so sappy and silly. But it is one big love fest. And it's like, 
I, I'm, I'm happy, Bob, that you're growing and that you're doing well, because it's just going to rub off on me and Dave, because people watch us three together and people watch us individually. And people yeah. that like you, you know, through maybe the tech world are going to find me. And, you know, I'm not saying that like, that's a little bit more, I'm kind of being like a little stereotypical, like that all your fans are tech fans, but you know what I mean? We each have our own individual type of fans, but there's so much overlap. And uh, the fact that you have so many subscribers is just going to be helpful for the community and, and us individually, I, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing that I was kind of, I noticed or I recognized in that moment is that at least from my perspective, I've never felt or seen competition between, uh, you know, us, us being the community, like yeah. all the people that make videos, because like you said, it's like a big, everybody's trying to lift everybody up. Yeah. I mean, anybody that I associate with, I, I'm sure there well, are know, people that are not that It's funny. Way. It's like, we all have our subscriber base, you know, and we're like, you know, we're in the hundreds of thousands, I guess. I don't know who's, who's like, you know, in our community, who's like, you know, in air quotes, the lead. Is it Matthias? How, what is he now? Are you in the lead, Bob? As far as our thing. I don't mean to say the lead like that, but I'm going to make a well, comparison. I think, uh, well, it depends on like what you're gauging, but I think I have probably the most subscribers in generally the world that we're in. All right. So I don't, I don't know. But the point uh, I'm making is, so you're like, whatever, 700,000 something. When you look in the world that like Casey's in and like these YouTubers you see in the ads, they're into the millions. Oh yeah. You totally. I mean? It's a different thing. It's like we're like, yeah. although, you know, when you see other YouTubers that are in our community that are just starting, I met a couple of young YouTubers, young channels in, uh, in Atlanta. And these guys are, you know, under, under a thousand, under 5,000 subscribers. And I tell these guys, I'm like, you know, it's just a matter of time before you and me and Bob and it, it's, it happens so quickly. And if you just keep mm -hmm. putting up good, decent content, you know, with, with good branding, people are going to pay attention and people are going to start to watch. So it's just a matter of time before, you know, you get to, you get to, you know, where you feel like you need to be, whatever it might be. But yeah, the, the day that I, when I announced that I quit my job to do this full time, I'm not going to name names because I don't want everybody contacting them but for advice. But the two, probably the biggest people in the woodworking YouTube community contacted me and said, hey, basically, how can I help? And I had a phone call with one and a long email conversation with mm -hmm. the other saying, this is, here's some good advice for you. This is how you deal with some things. And I was blown away. Mm -hmm. at that, mm -hmm. It was at that, that moment I realized, like, this is not a competition. We all... And the, the one person actually said, we all grow together. So, Yeah, that's when, the point I was trying to make. Not so eloquently, it, but yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think anybody sees it as a competition. It's, it's we're, all, we're all in this. We're all having fun. A lot of us know each other. And we talk offline and at events. And, you know, we, 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 if one person succeeds, we all kind of succeed. And I don't think anybody's ripping anybody else off. We're all doing our own thing. Mm -hmm. I'm influenced by a lot of people and yeah. I might see a project that somebody else does and I might put my own spin on it, but I try very hard to do my own thing. And then I know you guys, you're, you're way different than everybody else. So. Yeah. I think that it's just interesting to look at like our perception of the content creator side of YouTube versus the content consumer side of YouTube. And they may have a different, just, um, this is purely based on comments. Okay. But they may have a different perspective of like how we look at it, mm -hmm. whereas we're looking at like 
you know, all these awesome people that we get to learn from and mm-hmm. we get to help and we, we talk about business stuff, but to help each other out and we, right. you know, pass down, pass around contacts at different companies and, you know, stuff like this to try to help everybody out. And so, you know, I guess that's just not obvious from the other side of the screen. Right. Um, and I, I hope it becomes obvious. You I know, what's funny too. Point, uh, you know. A lot of people don't know we do a podcast. So they see my videos and they see your videos and they see Dave's videos. They have no idea that we're friends. They have no idea that we work together. <laughs> That's true. You know, a lot, I, so many times I meet people, oh man, I really love your videos. I'm like, oh yeah, Bob, well, who's Bob and who's Dave? I'm like, the guys I do my podcast with. You do a podcast? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you think that, you know, because we all watch each other, everybody watches each other as well, which is on the on the whole, you know, the majority. But from time to time, I meet people in and around that only specifically know me. And then I say, what else do you watch? And then they mention like, you know, Michelle Fan and like five other things that are like super like in the know. And, mm. you know, like, you know, the more celebrity YouTube people. Um, so anyway, it's just, just this, everyone has different tastes. Yeah. yeah. Our only competition is television. Yeah. Which is right? slowly going out of <laughs> yeah. business. Yeah. So, but anyway, I, I didn't like, I, I didn't have anywhere to go with that. I guess, but yeah. I just wanted to bring it up. It's funny. And everybody always asks me why I don't have more subscribers and why I don't have more subscribers. And I'm happy with the views. I'm getting really good views. I get at least a million views a week and I'm happy with that. But uh, the subscribers is always like the surface thing that a lot of uh, business people look at that, you know, they don't dig too deep into the analytics until they get to know you. But the first thing they see is the subscribers and, the, you know, to them that equates to, um, you know, people in agreement with you or, you know, yeah. people, people that are, are in your camp. And uh, they look at that as the people that they can contact as far as their advertising, you know, I- I- initiatives. And um, it's funny. People ask me, why don't I think my subscriber base grows as fast? I think as fast as my views. And it's personally, I know because I do this. I look at a subscribe. I look at a video. Someone sends me a video. And there's a couple of YouTubers you guys know. I'm like, some of his videos are interesting, but I think he's an ass. So I will not click. But there are some videos I really like that this person does. But I will not give them that little... <laughs> It's just my little way of taking away from him. And I'm guilty of that. So I know I get a lot of that. You know, I'm sure people watch me and they watch me with like one eye. Like, look at this jerk. Who does he think he is? Oh, that's cool. Who? Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. This guy's a jerk. Oh, wow. Oh, hmm. yeah. He's a jerk. So they, they're kind of, because I know my own personal experience is the same thing with other yeah. YouTubers. So yeah. that's what I think happens to me more and more often. Because there's always the flare up of like, what do you write your name on everything? You boss merely have an ego. And then my fans defend me, and then it turns into this long chain of how I write my name on everything, so I think that I'm smart or that I think I'm talented. So. No, the the thing can happen in the exact opposite direction of what you just said, mm-hmm. and I think this is the case. Absolutely. Just because you get a, a subscriber doesn't mean that that person is a fan of yours or doesn't mean that they really like They may just be keeping tabs on you. They may just be <laughs> interested to see what you're going to make, you know, for whatever reason. I mean, the... And I've said this before in talks that like just because somebody subscribes, there are a thousand reasons that you could subscribe to a YouTube channel. None of those are any better or worse than any of the other ones. But just because somebody clicks that button doesn't mean you know anything about them. It doesn't mean you can like lump them into this you know thing of like, oh, these people love what I do or hate what I do or whatever. Um, and like you said, that's that number is the thing that's out front. That's the thing that gets seen. And so it's a value. And so people think it has value, but it's actually just a number versus the actual view count, which is the thing that really matters because that means people are actually watching videos. Um, 
and like in the case of of you and I, Jimmy, mm-hmm. um, our numbers are opposite. So mm-hmm. I have a higher subscriber number, but a way lower view count number. Mm-hmm. You have a way higher view count number and a little bit lower subscriber number, not too much. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. just depending on which metric you're looking at, there's a really different way to kind of measure success or measure whatever it is you're trying to measure, mm-hmm. you know? Um, anyway, so I don't think that's obvious from the outside. I don't think any of this stuff is obvious from the outside, which is kind of what I wanted to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It's a, big, anyway. it's a one big YouTube love fest. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, guys like know, some you guys know that I love you, right? Oh, yeah. I love you too. I've said it before. <laughs> Have I said it? I've said it. But that's not the I end of the show. Said right? it. I think you said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, people are hitting stop now. <laughs> somebody, somebody actually wrote us an email this week and ended it with "I love you too." Did you see that? <laughs> no. It <laughs> no. was awesome. Oh, man. Anyway, um, I don't have. Anything else to say about that? So we can move on. Unless you guys have something to say about that. Just no, it's a great it, community. I, and I love everybody. Yeah. I, like, I actually, like, I am so thankful to know all these other other YouTubers. And it's 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 changed my life. Everybody's been mm-hmm. super, super kind. It's, yeah. It really has changed my life. And, you know, David as well. I can speak for David. I know because, like... Today, Dave and I are sitting here eating lunch near Albany, upstate New York, and the phone rings, and it's Izzy talking to Dave about something they're going to work on together. And like, is now like Izzy's a bro, you know? It's like mm-hmm. he's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm just hanging out with Jim, having a hamburger. We're building this beehive thing." Now it's like my close friends have just expanded across the whole entire United States and the world, and it's amazing. And that happened in the last four years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, cool. What have you guys been watching? So. This is not going to appeal to everybody, but there is a YouTube channel by a music company called Sweetwater. And Sweetwater is like a music supply catalog place. But it's not it's not a huge chain like you might be familiar with like Guitar Center. It's it's uh it's owned and operated out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they're one of those companies that does social media right. Their YouTube channel is phenomenal. They um, all new products get a video review or overview on there. There's little tutorials on there, and they're really well done. Like if you are in the catalog game, you need to look at Sweetwater's YouTube channel because they're doing it right. And they they sell they do sell some video equipment. And if you're into podcasting or recording. Anything, you know, it might be a place to check out and really good people there too. I bought a few things from them over the years. Yeah. And they have, I've been to their facilities and it's mind blowing. They have three or four recording studios on site, huge warehouse. Every year they have like an open house and um, just, just really, really well done. All right. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Brandon is uh, it's just because I'm on a couple of the videos. I honestly haven't watched them, so I don't know what you're in for. If anybody wants to see a couple of videos of me, Brandon is a local kid who uh, I became friends with and uh, he comes and hangs out at the shop. He's hung out at the shop three times so far. Super energetic, really good young kid. And he's going to freak out that I'm talking about him. Brandon, I'm talking <laughs> about you. Brandon 2076. Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N 2076 is his channel. And he has a couple of videos of me just goofing off. He comes to the to the shop wearing a GoPro, and I, I've only watched one of them. There's a couple on there. So, is two hundred seven six his last name? 
Uh, yeah, that's his last name. He's a robot, actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, Brandon. Awesome. <laughs> Brandon's a New Yorker, and uh, I show him a little bit of stuff on the bandsaw, and, and he showed me his slingshots that he made. So take a look if anybody – you know, there's some stray content of me getting out there because people come visit my shop with cameras rolling, and I just let it roll. I have no idea. I say, just don't shoot my love handles. I don't care what else you shoot. That's all. <laughs> Camera angle should, is everything. That oh, should man. also be a t-shirt, I think. <laughs> Don't shoot, my love. <laughs> no, you know, I've been self-conscious about like the 20 pounds I put on since I started YouTube. And uh, no, since uh, and people come and visit me and they, they shoot me and I don't know what they're shooting. I don't, you know, they're shooting my bald spot. You know, I don't know what they're looking at. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I never look at it because I don't want to be embarrassed. But anyway, it's out there. <laughs> Speaking of, you're talking about losing weight, and you've you've mentioned it before. No, I know um, it's been a stupid thing of mine. I got to get over it. Well, no, it's like a thing. It's a real thing. But um, I recently started. So Wheezy Waiter, I was talking about earlier. He makes videos like every day. He's moved into more of like a vlog style channel, but they're really interesting um, about his days. And he tries to anyway. Part of that every day is that he works out and he runs. He's a marathoner as well. And he started using this thing called seven minute workout, I think is what it's called. Yeah. And so I saw him using it and I've been looking for something I could quickly do to kind of help, you know, outside of my running. And um, so I downloaded it. It's a free app. It's by Wahoo, W-A-H-O-O. And it takes seven minutes and it's like full body. You, know, you get a little bit of a little bit of work on every muscle group. It's tough. Um, I can't it get is through the tough. entire seven minutes. I, but I think it's worthwhile because it's like a short burst of, you know, mm-hmm. you kind of hit all the different spots. But anyway, that might be something you could do as an interim for not getting to the gym or you could go to the gym. Not I that you ask for my help, but I just thought. I no, would no, no. That. It's actually I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking, hmm, can I pretend to be busy for seven minutes a day and not do that? That's all I'm thinking of. Uh, <laughs> can you figure out a way out of it? Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. There's no excuse for not working out for seven minutes in a day. Yeah. Is and that's there? kind of my reason, like, like no, even if I'm not running a day, seven minutes, come on, I can do that before I get in the shower. You know, it's like, I don't have an excuse not to do that. I so could actually do it for six minutes and that probably would be better for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Something about Mary reference. You know, we, uh, we canceled our gym memberships, I don't know, like a year ago and a few months ago we started a new online thing called Daily Burn. The commercials are kind of annoying, but it's like you pay monthly and every day there's a new workout and it's it's actually pretty good. There's a, there's tons and tons and tons of video content depending on what you, if you want to do cardio or weight training, whatever. Like, hmm. If you're into that stuff, daily, daily burn's pretty cool. Hmm. Um, this is kind of unrelated, but kind of related. I, my wife and I have done several mud runs, which is like a, it's like a race, but it's not really a race. It's mostly just you run through mud and you do obstacles and all that stuff. And they are a blast. They're so much fun. Some of them are really hard, but some of them are just fun. And uh, so if you're looking for something like active to do that's more fun than work, you know, hmm. I would highly suggest them because they're they're a blast. We we just signed up for another one in uh, in May. So a bunch of us, like seven or eight of us will usually run it all together. And so we just kind of goof off the whole time and run and climb stuff. But nice. Anyway, uh, my pick for the week. Have I ever talked about the Vlog Brothers? I mentioned them earlier today, but I don't I'm, think so. So, kind of the OGs of YouTube. Um, 
Hank and John Green. John Green is a, an author. Um, but they've been on YouTube, I don't know, since like 2006 or something. Um, and so they started this thing. They were brothers. They lived in different places. They didn't talk a whole lot. So they decided to s- start this thing called Vlog Brothers. And they each put up a video each week. And it's uh, it's to the other person. So John puts up one and he starts it with, hey, Hank, blah, 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 blah. See you next week. And then Hank starts his with, hey, John. And, the, you know, so it's like this ping pong of content on the same channel every week. But it started there and then it turned into like everything. So they... Hank started VidCon. Uh, they own and run DFTBA Records. And oh. I mean, it's like huge. Uh, all this, I can't even like list all the stuff. But once you start figuring out what they've started and what they've been a part of, they are a huge reason why YouTube is what YouTube is at the moment. Um, anyway, so these conversations that they have back and forth between the two of them are really interesting because they're always kind of topical about, you know, kind of current events or, you know, it's sometimes political. Sometimes it's uh, like pop culture stuff, but it's always an interesting take and like an informative kind of intellectual take on something. And so they're fun to listen to because they're both smart guys. They know what they're talking about. They're funny and goofy and they're nerds. And, you know, it's interesting to watch. So kind of just them in general is the recommendation. But the one that John put up today is called Literally Hitler. And it's about um, people using Hitler as a reference for like uh, talking about current politics. In, in I don't want to talk about politics at all. But it's an interesting thing for him to bring up to say like no matter what side of what booth you're standing on or what aisle – people are saying that the other person is literally Hitler Hmm. and that type of discourse, (laughs) (laughs) that type of discourse is awful for everybody, which is something I totally am in line with. Like the, the negative stuff that's wrapped up in, in politics, just, it just hurts everybody. So it kind of stuck out as one of the many very interesting videos that they've um, had. So if you're into that type of thing, check out the vlog brothers. Very cool. Cool. Let's pull them up. Um, so before we go, I want to thank our patrons, everybody from Patreon, um, especially Jeremy White, Luis Gonzalez, John Cornwell, Dominic DeFino, Elijah Taylor, and Make, Build, Modify. But, uh, everybody over there, we really appreciate the support, continued support. And, um, we got, we sold some t-shirts this week for the first week. Yep. So thank Thank you to everybody that got those. Yes. And, And, uh, uh, we're never going to run out because they are screen printed on demand. So never ever, but you should buy them now <laughs> because we might run out. Yeah. Um, how do we get those David? Uh, you can head on over to making slash t-shirt and that's going to actually redirect you to a different URL to our supplier and you can order them, uh, right from our printer juke mode. Nice. And they're black shirts with the white logo. Yep. In case you're wondering good shirts too. Cool. You guys got anything else for this week? That's it. That's it. Right on. I just want to say I love you. Aww. <laughs> you have to change it up. Everybody just expects it now. People aren't going to no, think okay. it's sincere. I already said it. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you guys next week. One fourth. Yo, what are you still doing here?